spirit that has been sent out through words right now in the name of Jesus saying we shall not make it. We shall not succeed. We shall be sick. The devil is a liar in the name of Jesus. That spirit of witchcraft breaks right now. In the name of Jesus, every false accusation that has gone out against Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministry, the body of Christ, I break every false accusation right now in the name of Jesus. I break every soothsaying spirit right now in the name of Jesus. God, I give you glory. I give you honor. I break false doctrine right now in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you and we praise you on today. We thank you for being El El Yon here at Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministry, the most high God. And God, we honor you. And we thank you for your son and we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ on today. And I thank you that we have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer us who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hallelujah. We're going to continue the teaching. On knowing who you are, your new identity. And I believe through this teaching, we can live the life that God want us to live in him. Amen. So let's turn back to, I'm going to open up with the scripture we're all familiar with. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We're going to open up with that and we're going to move a little bit further. The word of God says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore... If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So you may be seated. God want us to know the things that have become new. He want us to know our new identity. And until we know our new identity that we have now that we're in Christ, We will not be able to live the life we have now that we are in Christ. This is why when we look in the book of Acts, it said in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. It's all about what we have in him. When we make it about ourselves, we're walking after the flesh. We're not in the flesh no more, but we can walk after the flesh. When you're in the flesh, when you hear somebody talking about in the flesh, it's talking about a non-believer. We are in the spirit, so we are born again. Those who are led by the spirit of God, they are sons of God. And the only way you can be led by the spirit of God is to know him and to know his word. And that comes through a renewing of your mind. We talk about so much, um, what is it, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. In verse 1, it tells us that we have to make our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This is our reasonable service. This is our act of worship. How do we make these bodies a living sacrifice unto God? By being not conformed. We won't want to be molded, adapted into the world's pattern, the world's way of doing things. And then it tells us, but be ye transformed. Transform mean change. How can we be transformed and changed by the renewing of our mind? When we renew our mind, we will be able to prove, we will be able to know what the good and acceptable will of God is for our lives. You can be born again for 20 years and still don't know God's good and acceptable will for your life. We can be living just like an unsaved person, even though we say we're born again. We're living like the world because we really don't know who we are now that we're in Christ. The enemy, he does not want you to know your identity. He wants you to live like that old self, that old nature, that old man. This is why he said old things have passed away. This is this old nature that was in you. That old nature died. It got buried. It was crucified. When something is crucified, it is dead. But the problem with the old nature, it left behind some old habits, some old way of doing things. This is why your mind has to be renewed according to the new you, according to to who you are now that you are in Christ. 
Everything that you need is written in the Bible. This is your spiritual mirror. This is how you know who you are. You will never be able to identify what you, who you are by itself, by looking into the word of God. This is why the enemy used the serpent in the garden. Now we know that God created everything and everything he created was good. Even he created us and we're good through him. But the enemy can use us even being saved. Even being born again, we can allow him to use us. How? By tempting us with things that we should not be doing, right? So we know he came in the garden. He tempted Eve. Adam became a part of that. He became a part of that deception. So we know what happened. They began to see, you know, be ashamed. Evil came into the world, so they saw fear. What they see, they saw shame. They saw evil. But God is good. So we're going to go a little bit further because when you don't know who you are, you can live just like somebody else and think that you're living a good life and which you're not. So when we look into the word of God, I talked about going back to second Kings, the fourth chapter, and we was talking about the widow woman who husband died and he was a prophet. And I know you heard it, but the more you hear this, the more you get in touch with this, see, you can accumulate knowledge. Knowledge is good for you to accumulate, but when you don't grasp Grab hold to what you have accumulated when you don't understand it. It's just mere knowledge. So we want to make sure we understand what has been gathered up. So when you you have knowledge, you gather up things. But we want to get understanding of what we gathered up. The enemy don't want you to have understanding. He said wisdom is the principal thing. This is what the word of God says. But in all you're getting, get understanding. You have to understand. And I believe some of us... um, because of pride, somebody can tell you something and you shaking your head like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then later on, you're ignorant because you don't even understand what they were saying, but you acting like you understanding, but you're not because you don't want them to know you don't understand. Hey, I'm a man. I'm a woman. I don't went through 12th grade. I should know this, but you should let people know. I don't understand what you're saying. Could you break that down? Everybody perceive things differently, y'all. So the Holy Spirit is going to work with you where you are. You know, some people are so um, well-educated that they can't grab hold to the spiritual things of God. Remember Peter and John, when um, they saw what had happened with them when it come to Jesus, they said, these are unlearned men. They looked at them as unlearned. So they knew. They they so unlearned, but this miracle took place through them. You can be unlearned. You may not have a high school education. You may have stopped in the third grade, but God can do some exploits through you because you know God. So that's why we want to know him and we want to make him known. This widow knew her rights. So she came to Elijah. Why did she come to Elijah? Because Elijah was a spokesman for God. He had the word of God. She knew her benefits. So in order for us to know who we are in him, we have to know what we have through him. So she knew her benefits and she told him what was going on. And Elijah told her what to do. The first thing she had to do was be obedient. Even though you know your um, benefits, you still have to be obedient to the word of God. You can be a hearer, but if you're not a doer, it's just like you haven't heard. It's so many of us hear this word, just like you hearing it on today. But if you don't go out and do what you heard, it's like you haven't heard it. Some people are speaking the word of God, but there's no action behind the word of God. We know that faith come by hearing, hearing come by the word of God, and faith without works is dead. You can have the faith, but if you don't see no action behind that faith, it's dead. It's just like you haven't heard the word of God. We got a lot of hearers, but we have no doers. Because when you hear the word of God and you begin to apply it to your life, people are going to know that you are doer of the word. Jesus said, I see what my father see. And being that I see what he see, I can do what he does. If you cannot See the word of God for really what it is. It's because you haven't grasped it. It's because you don't understand the word. It's because you're not spending time with the word. The more time you spend with the word, you can live out the word. 
If you ain't spending no time with the word, we're going to have a lot of conflict in the body of Christ. You're going to have some with understanding. You're going to have some with knowledge. And then you're going to have conflict because the ones with understanding took that knowledge and they grabbed hold to it. And they're fulfilling what God would have for them to fulfill. So don't get mad at those who's spending time in the word, who's hearing God, who's moving according to what the word of God is saying. When I was in prayer with the Lord, the Lord told me, he said, if you can envision it, you can have it. And I said, thank you, Lord. He said, if you can envision it, you can have it. So when you sit there with the word of God and you begin to envision what the word of God, come on, somebody, is saying unto you, you already know you have it. You don't have to sit around and wonder when it's coming. You are already walking in what you have. And some of us are not walking in what we have because we're not envisioning what God has already done. Why aren't we envisioning it? Because we don't know what we have. It's too many people walking in tradition. The tradition of men make the word of God a none effect. See, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were doing traditions. They was adding to the law. They were doing things by outward performance, by being self-righteous, saying we got to do this to get this from God. They were saying you got to wash these certain plates. You got to wash your hands. You got to do all of this and do all of that. But Jesus said God is looking at the inside. He worked from the inside out. You're worrying about an outer appearance. But God is looking on the heart. See, when your heart is right in you, nobody don't have to tell you. You're going to do what's on the inside of you. Because when you're with the Father, you're going to do what the Father does. I have never seen a child, but yes, I have. I'm not going to lie. If a child spend time with that father or time with that mother. Now, first of all, that child is in that mother's womb for, what, nine to ten months. Getting used to that mother and is hearing everything in that womb. When that child come out, that child already know that mother and father. Because it's used to their voices. It's used to what's being given to that child. So the more time you spend with that child and you love on that child and you saying, uh-uh-uh, don't do that. You teaching that child how to tie the shoe, how to take baths, how to brush the teeth. You teaching them all of those things so they're learning from that father and from that mother. So when that child grow up, it's going to have characteristics of that mother and father, not only looking like them, but acting like them. By saying things that they say or doing things that they do. So when we spend time with the father, they're going to know who we belong to. Because everything that we do is going to be outside of what the world is doing. It's going to look different unto the world. We supposed to look different, y'all. You don't supposed to fit into the world. You don't supposed to be conformed to what the world is doing. You supposed to be transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind. Just because you're born again, you got to understand there is a process. Spirit, soul, and body. The spirit is the real you. That's the part of you that got saved, that got born again. Your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, until your mind is renewed, it's not connecting to the real you, and the power of God can't flow through you to the body for people to see the outward part. So God wants us to know who we are so we can live the life that he has for us. So this widow woman She knew her rights, and I believe, like I said before, her husband was a God-fearing man, so I believe he brought that to his house. And see, men, you have to bring this to your home. If you're a God-fearing man and you love the Lord, that means that, you know, he's the only God you're going to bow down to. You live in according to his word, and you're not trying to be so holy that you know heavenly good or no earthly good but you're doing what the word of god tell you to do and when you bring it in your house they're going to respect that because when we was raised you didn't come into my granddaddy's house and grandmother's house any kind of way you had respect for them you didn't come in there fussing and cussing and carrying on because granddaddy would say to his own children do you got a home yes we'll go to it He wouldn't have no disrespect in his house. And these days and time, children come into the parents' house and cuss them out. They call them on the phone and cuss them out. They tell them what they ain't going to do, and and that's just the end of it. I'm grown. Well, you're grown enough to pay your own bills then. If you're that grown, feed yourself. 
If you that grown clothe yourself, if you that grown wash your own clothes. See, when you play those grown cards on parents, parents got to stand up and be a parent instead of a friend. If you that grown, you don't need my help no more. See, sometimes you have to cut things off to let people know how grown they are. We ain't going to have no 30 and 40 years old saying they grown and they laying in your house. Something's wrong with that picture. I'm grown. I'm a man. Well, you in this house. A man get their own house. A man pay their own bills. Evidently, somebody needed that. It must have been over the internet. But <laughs> somebody needed that. Because, hey, people, you, you got to raise a child in the way that they should go. Amen? And we want to raise our children according to what the words say and not according to us. So this widow woman, she knew her rights, y'all. We have to know our rights. We have to know our authority. And we see what happened. He took the little that she had and God made it much. But it took obedience from that woman. Now I'm going to go a little bit further. And this same chapter is talking about another woman who um, met up with Elijah. And he passed by. This is 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. He passed by her house. And she perceived, she told her husband, she perceived that he was a God-fearing man or a godly man. She perceived this. How did she perceive this with Elijah? He just kept passing by. So it had to be something he said or the way he carried himself for her to connect with him. Evidently, this woman knew God in a way to know who was a godly man or a godly woman. So he passed by each time and God touched her heart for Elijah. See, when you're serving God, you don't have to beg for nothing. God will turn people's hearts towards you. You don't have to try to do this, that, or uh, anything else to get somebody to do something for you. When you're doing what you need to do according to the word of God, guess what? It's already done. God is going to take care of you, and that's what you have to believe. Elijah was God's servant. Elijah was a mouthpiece for God. He was a prophet. So she told her husband, she said, I perceive that this is a godly man. She said, let us. Now, this is where some of us mess up at women. When you are married, you don't just make a decision by yourself. You don't just invite nobody in your house without getting the consent of your husband. Whether he's ungodly or not. You still do things the right way. You don't go say, well, they're going to stay in this house and you ain't got no say so in this house. I perceive that they know Jesus and you don't. So they're going to sleep in that bed. That's not the way you do things. That's, that's a Jezebel. That's being controlling. This woman consulted her husband. She came into agreement with her husband. A divided house y'all cannot stand. So she asked her husband, could they set a room for Elijah, which they did somewhere for him to lay his head. See, this woman knew what was in Elijah. She knew. So he would pass by every time he would stop in that house. But one day he passed by and he saw what this woman was doing for him. So he wanted to do something for this woman. So God had to touch him in order for the gifts that God had upon Elijah to work on her behalf. So what was it? She didn't have a child. She was well off. Come on, we can have money, but it still could be some things in our lives that we're missing. Because money can't save you. Money cannot do for you what God has already done. So this woman, you know, she wanted a child, but she didn't mention this to Elijah. But Gehazi, the servant, found out. So he called her in here, in there, and he said, by this time next year, you shall have a son. She didn't ask for that. But guess what? She had that son. And when she had that son, that son became very ill. He was in the field with his father. And guess what the first thing his father said when he said, oh, my head, my head. He said, take him. To his mother. Now, what is it about a mother? Say, take him to his mother. I believe that father knew the God that was in that wife. 
Come on, I believe he knew the God that was in the wife. I believe he saw how his wife carried herself even in front of him and even in front of that child. He took the child to the mother. The child fell dead. Can you imagine your child laying in your lap dead? This woman, she didn't panic. She went and put the child on the prophet's bed. She put the child where the anointing was. She shut the door. She didn't come out and cry and say, oh, honey, the child is dead. What she did, she said, I need to get to the man of God. I'm paraphrasing, but go back and read it. I need to get to the man of God. See, she needed to get to the word because he was the one that was carrying the word. He was a spokesman for God. He said, this is not a new moon or a Sabbath. She recognized that, but this is what she said to him. She didn't say it is well. She said it shall be well. See, this woman knew what belonged to her. She knew where to go for what belonged to her. When we are in trouble or going through in our home, we have to go to the word of God first and foremost. She got in and she told the one that was driving her, don't you stop for nothing. See, our problem is when things go on in our lives, we're stopping too many places and we're calling too many people instead of trusting God for the word that's already on the inside of us. We call everybody to get everybody opinion instead of doing what she done. She said, don't you stop until I get there. Because see, when you make stops, somebody is going to turn you another direction. Somebody's going to tell you something that God didn't say. So when she got there, Elijah saw this woman and he said, something is not right with this woman. So he sent his servant to her and he said, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your son? She told him it was well, but she told her husband, it shall be well. So when she got to Elijah, he figured out, okay, it is the son. So he sent Gehazi ahead of him. He gave Gehazi his staff and he said, you lay the staff on this child. But Gehazi came back and the child was still dead. So Elijah went himself, and when he went himself, he laid on the child, mouth to mouth, hand to hand, eyes to eyes. And when he did it, he felt warmth in his body. But then when he got off the child, he prayed first, and I want to go there. See, Elijah, even though he was carrying the word of God, he knew that he had to link up with God to know what God wanted to do concerning this son. So the first thing he did was pray. See, we forget prayer. We forget that we have to commune with God. Don't just commune with him when you're in trouble. See, when you have a prayer life with God, that's going to be the first thing that you do. You're going to begin to seek God. Prayer is communing with God. It's communicating with him and looking up and say, God, what would you have me to do concerning this? You acknowledging him as your father. You acknowledging him as a loving God. You acknowledging God, you have everything that I need for this situation. I'm just asking you, how do I carry it out? So he laid on him. He became warm. He got off of him. And he began to walk the floor. Then he came back up and he laid on him again. Mouth to mouth. Eyes to eyes. Hands to hands. And the boy began to sneeze, what, seven times. That means complete. He brought the son back to the mother alive. Now, when we look at all of this, some of us may look at it and say, that is not going to happen in our time. Well, the problem is you don't know who you are and what you have. If you don't see this happening now in your time, you don't know who you are and you don't know what you have. We miss it because we really don't know who we are and what God has given us. This is why the Bible says that the communication of your faith may become effectual. The sharing of your faith may become effectual, meaning at work, when you acknowledge every good thing that's in you that's in Christ. See, everything that you have in you come from him, not from you. 
everything that he has, you have as he is, so are we in the world. We are heirs of God. We're joint heirs of Jesus Christ. We're joined unto him in the spirit. We are one spirit with him. So when Jesus, when he walked the earth, Jesus only released what he had. So when you know what you have, you can begin to release what you have. But if you don't know what you have, you have all of this power bottled up on the inside of you. And no release is coming out of you because you don't know what you have. When you know you're carrying healing, the healer on the inside of you, you shouldn't have to walk past nobody that's sick. You should lay hands because it's not your hands, it's his hands. Elijah knew it's not my hands that's going on this son. It is God's hand. It is his eyes. It is his mouth. So he was putting the breath of life in him. He was laying the hands. Oh, come on, y'all. He was doing what God told him to do. He was seeing not himself, but he was seeing God. And that's what we have to do. We can't see our abilities. We have to see him. The Bible said we're strong in him and in the power of his might. God never mess up. There's no fault in God. God is perfect. He make no errors. Everything that God do is going to be done complete. Ain't going to be no isms and schisms with God. It ain't going to be off with God. Whatever God say, that's exactly how it's going to be. When man tell you something, it don't be like that. It's something off in that. It's not perfect. It's not complete. It may work for a little while, but it ain't going to work all the time. But when God do something, it's not going to be any fault in it. It's perfect. So this same woman, she had to trust God In the midst of death. How many of us can really trust God? In the midst of death. Because when they say dead. That means dead. That means that they're gone. That means there's no breath left in them. But that woman knew. No. The God I serve can raise the dead. The God I serve gave me this son. Not giving me this son. To take this son from me. But he gave me this son, so even though he's dead, he got to bring him back to life. She knew it was resurrection power in Elijah, and she knew it belonged to her. So you got to know what belongs to you before you go out here trying to tell somebody you healed. Before you go out here and try to tell somebody you're prosperous, because if your house ain't living healed, if your house ain't living prosperous, how can you tell somebody else? See, we open our mouths too quick, but we're doing opposite of what we're saying. It's time for us to rise up with what the words say to show the world, this is the God I serve. I serve El El Yon. I serve the most high God. I serve a God, no matter if somebody's dead, he'll bring them back to life. That's who I serve. It's, it's so much to talk about who you serve, but it need to be actions beyond what you're saying. And you can release what you have when you know what you have. Then God brought me back to Peter and John. Y'all remember Peter and John? They were two of the disciples at first, followers of Jesus Christ. And then they became apostles. But understand the progress, the process that they went through. They followed Jesus. They had to leave everything they had. See, some of us, we say we're saved and we're born again, but we really haven't left some things. We really haven't given our whole heart over to God. When you give your whole heart over to God, it ain't about you no more. You denying yourself. You losing desire for the things that you want and the things that you want to do. You want to live the life that God wants you to live in him and through him. Amen. You don't want to do what you used to do no more. So Peter and John, they left what they were doing to follow him. So they had to be learners of Jesus. They watch what he did and notice the things that Jesus did. When you begin to read about them, you see those things that Jesus did through them. So Peter and John was going up to the temple for prayer in Acts chapter 3. When they were going up, notice where they were going to prayer. We have to have a prayer life, y'all. You can't just, you know, sit around all day without communing with God. 
You have to talk to God. You have to, you know, sometimes when we don't know what to pray about, we pray in our heavenly language and the Holy Spirit. You know, God hears us through praying in the Holy Ghost when we don't know what to pray. But they were going up to prayer. And when they were going up to prayer, come on, they see in a man that's lame, that's laying by the temple. You know all about this, but God is bringing it back for a reason. He was laying there because somebody laid him there. They said if he can surely get money from going to the temple, from laying here at the temple, because they come here and pray all the time. Somebody's going to help him. They're going to give him some money. Why do people think they can just lay people at the church all the time to get some money? But anyway, (laughs) this is what Peter said, and I love this. Peter and John were pillars of the church. And this is what Peter said. Look on us. Come on. Look on us. Give your attention to us. Why would Peter tell him to give his attention to us? In the natural, it looks like, man, I'm getting ready to get paid. This is payday. He want us to look on us, so I'm getting ready to get me some money. But Peter knew where his mindset was. That's why Peter had to address where his mindset was. He didn't leave out where he was. See, our problem is we leave out what's actually happening in the natural. You cannot deny what's actually happening, y'all. It's actually happening. But Peter addressed it and said, silver and gold have I none. This is what he told him. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Peter knew what he had in Christ. He knew what he had in Christ. For such as I have, I give unto thee. So Peter knew, I'm going to share. This is the communication of his faith. Peter was sharing what he had in Christ Jesus because he knew he had healing now that he was in Christ Jesus. So he was telling him to rise up. So Peter took him up. He said, in the name, he knew he had the name of Jesus. When you know you have the name of Jesus, when you walk up on a situation, you should already know that the situation is taken care of because you know what you have. So this man, he ended up what? Leaping. He ended up walking. Why? Because Peter released what he had. See, if you know what you got, you should release what you have. And the Lord was giving me an illustration. He said, when you go to the grocery store, he said, before you go to that grocery store, you know what you have in the bank. You know how much money you have in your wallet. So when you enter that grocery store, how many of us enter the grocery store confident? We enter that grocery store with assurance. We enter that grocery store knowing I can pay for what I put in this buggy. Come on, somebody. We do. And when we get up to the counter, we take out our debit card with confidence. We are sure that this thing is going to work. Come on. How many of us do that? We are sure that it's going to work. But when it don't work, we call the wife. You sent me to this store knowing that it wasn't nothing on this card. Now, how could you humiliate me like that? And you know what I'm going to say to that husband? You should have checked the account. Now I'm just playing. But this is what we have the assurance of what we have. Amen. We know what we have in that account. So when we swipe the card or do whatever we do with the card, we know the food is paid for. We don't go in that store struggling. We don't go in that store like we don't have anything. We go in that store knowing we're going to come out with a buggy full of grocery. Even if it's with a food stamp card, we know what's on it. I'm help somebody. We know what's on it. We go in there with confidence. We go in there with assurance of what we have, y'all. Now, the problem is we can go in there in the natural because we know what's on our card. We see it. But we're supernatural beings, y'all. So we got to see with the eyes of the spirit. What if God told you, I want you to go in the grocery store and I want you to get all the grocery that's on your list. And I want you to go up to that cash register and be ready for that grocery to be paid for. You know what you would say? The devil is a lie. Come on, somebody. 
You would say the devil is a lie. Why? Because you ain't made a connection with God. God is a supernatural God. He wants you to have the eyes of faith. He wants you to believe him outside of what you see because you already know what he has given you. He's already provided for you. If he's telling me to go in this store, I have confidence and assurance. When I get through shopping, I can pull up there and it's paid for. Are we there yet? No, because pride stops us from getting there because we're looking all around and wondering if anybody see us with a full buggy with no money. But see, I'm crazy enough to go up there to that cash register and let them ring it up and say, God, this is on you. I'm just following your instructions. And guess what? Right at the last minute when the last item is going across there and you hearing that sound. And they're telling you the amount. Okay, God, you handle this. Then here come a nice older lady or gentleman. Saying, I got that. Hallelujah anyhow. I'll take care of that today. Have we really trusted God like that? Have we really given God the opportunity like that? Are we so prideful, we so self-righteous that we feel like God couldn't do nothing like that? See, God wants us to try him. He wants us to walk supernaturally instead of waiting on something naturally. See, the faith that we have is supernatural. That means I don't have to wait to see it naturally to know I already have it. That's what God wants. He wants us to pull out of our spirit, y'all. The spirit, the real you, have everything you need to carry out to function here on the earth. Go through the word of God. I'll give you another example. Remember the Bible said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Why did Jesus have to become flesh? Because it was no man, woman nor man on the earth, to carry out, to fulfill What God needs to have to be fulfilled, what? To fulfill the law. Jesus had to take on a fleshly body. Why? So all the sin could be poured on that fleshly body so he can pay the price for sin. So while sin was being poured on him, the goodness and the righteousness of God was being poured on us. It was a great exchange. God couldn't find nobody to do it. So he had to come off the throne and he had to take on a fleshly body to walk on this earth to show us everything that we have in Jesus. Come on, Jesus walked through everything on the earth and he showed us how to live through him. He showed his disciples, y'all remember two fish, five loaves of bread? Jesus was testing them. They want to send the people away. But what did Jesus say? What do you have? They felt like what they had was not enough. See, that's looking to you. That's looking to the natural. But Jesus said, I want to show you supernatural. I want to show you how our kingdom operate. So what Jesus did before he even told them to give them him the two fish and the five loaves, he said, have them to sit down. He even let them sit down on green grass. He said, let them sit down. Why? Because Jesus already knew. He knew they were going to be fed. How many of y'all going to invite people in your house with two pieces of pork chop? And there's five people outside. You're going to say, come on, sit down at the table. How many going to do that? No, you're going to say, that's my pork chop. Close the blinds. Ain't nobody getting in this house today. Act like you ain't home. Don't have a little girl like Jada. Me and I say, we ain't home. That's just what they do. They'll tell what you tell them not to tell. So don't tell them nothing. (laughs) They just tell the truth. (laughs) So this is what we do. We turn people away because we look in the natural like it's never enough. But I remember my granddaddy, y'all, this is no lie. My two aunts in here, they can contest to this. Every Sunday, Phyllis can too, every Sunday, prepare the table. I got so tired of preparing that table. I don't care who came. He always made sure everybody ate. But he always said, feed the children first. He made sure, and it didn't look like it was enough for everybody. 
But everybody ate from that table because Granddaddy had faith as a, a green of a mustard seed. He knew my God is going to supply and everybody going to have more than enough. Why? Because he spent time with God. He trusted God. No matter what man said, he said, taint so. Why? Because he was going on what was so. He would look at death in his eyes and say, it ain't so. And we're looking at Granddaddy like, what's wrong with you? Jesus was what was wrong with him. He didn't go on what was happening in the natural. He didn't deny the natural. He knew it was there. But he was telling you what was so. And this is what we have to do. We have to get in the word of God to the point that no matter what it looked like, no matter what we see, we're saying, no, I'm not denying it's not there, but I know what God said. So you got to bring God in on the scene. And the only way you can bring him in on the scene is getting to know him. Developing your relationship with him and say, my God, don't lie. His word is true. He sanctified me in truth. So I know his word is true outside of what I see. God is still God. So I'm going to stand on what he's saying because my God is not going to become a liar. The more time you spend with somebody, the more time I spend with my husband, I know what my husband would do. I know what his answers would be. So if somebody would come up on me and say, your husband, oh no, that's a lie. I refuse to believe that. That's a lie. No, I can't believe he said that. I believe you got something wrong. If we are brothers and sisters in Christ and somebody say something about Kim, even though I wasn't there, being that she's my brother, sister, no, I believe you misunderstood that. I believe that's not what they said. She said, you need to go back and ask her what she said again. You need to get an understanding. I shouldn't be there saying, what, Kim? She probably did. (laughs) Knowing her, she did it. That's not how we should act in the body of Christ. No, we should give them what the word of God is saying. Not going on how we feel. Faith is not a feeling, y'all. So we draw from our spirit, not based on how we feel. I'll give you another one. Peter began to say, when this man began to leap, when this man began to be healed, he said, he was so amazed at how they looked at this, not not knowing what it was. He said it was faith in his name. He was having faith and trust in Jesus. He said that's why this man is walking that you see. So we got to have faith in him. And we live by the faith of him. That's why Paul said, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I. You got to get rid of you. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. By the faith means the faith that I'm using is coming from Him. I'm living according to His faith. My faith is coming from Him. The just shall live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Those that come to him must believe he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is not going to be made ashamed of. So whatever God tell you to do, do it. That's why Mary said, whatever he tell you to do, do it. Why? Because she knew that he wasn't going to lead them wrong. And Jesus used something so simple. Take water and pour it into those empty vessels. Now I want you to pour it out. That's what we supposed to do. We supposed to take the word of God and with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can begin to pour out everything that people need when we come in contact with them. But you got to get into the word of God to be able to pour out. You can't go on here saying she say. You got to get to knowing for yourself. Go back to Abraham. Abraham believed God. And the Bible said it was counted to him for what? Righteousness. But think about Abraham, y'all. The Bible says that Abraham was fully persuaded. Now, the Bible also said that Abraham knew he was 100 years old. 
He knew that Sarah was too old to bear children, that her womb was barren, that it was dead. He knew this. He didn't deny this, but he did not look to that. He looked to the word. He was fully persuaded that what God said God was going to do. So we have to be fully persuaded that this word is above everything else. Our body goes through changes, y'all. Sometimes we may have headaches. Sometimes we may have foot aches, 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 aches. Those aches are there. But we need to say, body, I command you in the name of Jesus to be healed and to be made whole in Jesus' name. Now, that body may not cooperate right then and there. Come on, somebody. Not as quick as we want it to. Come on. Because that body is used to having this way. Why? Because if you are just making a connection with your spirit, it might be little drips. <laughs> might be little drips. But the more you get into the word of God, you don't have to wait as long. You just get up and you keep doing what you're doing and you're not focusing on those aches. You're not focusing on what's going on around you. You're just trusting what God's saying before you know it. Oh my God. It's not there no more. Why? Because you didn't pay attention to that. That's why he said, my son, pay attention to my word. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them, guard them in the midst of your heart. They are life unto all those that find them and health to all flesh. The word is your medicine. Your body may cut up and act like it don't want to receive it right then and there. Why? Because you made your body accustomed to what you were used to whatever you become used to is what your body become accustomed to if you get your body accustomed to pain all the time and you always saying you sick that's what your body's going to take on sickness because that's what it's used to hearing but if you always speaking the word of God over your body and saying I am the healed of the Lord he sent his word and he has healed me he has delivered me from my destruction the word of God is nigh unto you body in my heart and in my mouth that's the word word of faith which I preach and proclaim over you today you shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord your immune system gets stronger and stronger every day every tissue every muscle every cell every organ every vital sign in you functions now the way God has created it to function there will not be no malfunctions in you in Jesus name I command you to line up with the word of God because God's word is true and every other thing is a liar. So see, you're going to have thoughts that come to you to tell you, well, why your head's still hurting? I bind you in the name of Jesus. I cast you down in the name of Jesus. The word of God don't lie. Regardless of how I feel, God's word is still true. God is faithful even when we remain faithless. He's going to remain faithful because he is God. So if anything go on with us, we can't believe it on God because God has already made the way for us. We can't say it's God's fault. See, this is why you got to make a connection with the right people. You can't make connections with people that's always complaining all the time. This ache, that ache, never be nothing. You need to change that tone with the word. You are only speaking what you want to become. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So does he become. If you're mummering and complaining all the time, that's what you're going to have. So we need to connect with the real you. And that's in your spirit. And the only way you can do it is by going into the word of God. What did Jesus do with the two fish, five loaves of bread? He had them to sit down first. Because he already know you're going to be fed. He said, now, I want you to give that to me. How many of us really give everything to him? No, we think we can do it ourselves. So what we do, they gave him the two fish and the five loaves of bread. And the first thing Jesus did was look up. He looked to his father. He blessed it. But guess what he did? He gave it back to them. He said, now, you give it out to the people. They had more then enough. They had 12 baskets left over. But then here they go again. They come again and they were going with Jesus to the other side. And he said, beware 
of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. He was talking about false doctrine. The first thought that they had was, we forgot to take bread. We only have this one basket of bread. Jesus perceived and told them, what did you not understand? Did you not perceive? He had to break it down again to help them to understand, you missed it. I'm not talking about the baskets. Because Jesus said, you missed the miracle because you was too sensitive to the natural instead of the supernatural. So guess what he did? He fed another 4,000. What am I saying, y'all? We miss it because we're more sensitive to the things of this world than we are to the things of God. When you're more world-minded, which is fleshly-minded, carnally-minded, than you are spiritually-minded, you're going to receive death from being carnally-minded. A spiritually-minded person receives life and peace. So get into the word. Know what the word is saying. And when you know what the word is saying, you can begin to release what God has already provided. Everything we need to live on this earth is in you. God put it in you because he knew that you're going to need it. And we have to call it forth. We only call forth and speak what we believe. Paul say, I only speak what I believe. And that's what we need to be doing. Know who you are is your first step. And having confidence in what you already have. And no matter where you go, you can begin to pull it out. Just like you pull out your visa or your credit cards. You can begin to trust God more than you're trusting in the natural. Y'all, believe it or not, me and my husband have tried this for 20-some years. And it works. When it looked like we didn't have more than enough. And it's so funny. Y'all know some of the stories that I tell y'all. It's not stories, it's truth. But when it looked like we didn't have what we needed in the house as far as food. And the Lord said, I want you to trust me. Now, I could have went to my dad. I could have went to my aunts. I'm pretty sure they would have fed me. I could have went down to Amelia's house and ate for days probably. But God didn't tell me to do that. He told me to trust him. And, y'all, the thing was, now, God is so funny. I'm pregnant. Okay. With Ariel. And God is telling me, Trust me, didn't have no maternity clothes, none of it. Now, all of this is happening, y'all, once I am on a job and lose my position, don't have the money I had before, bills coming in, and you know you got to pay the mean bills. So they're coming in. It still wasn't enough left for us to live off of. God said, I'm going to teach you how to trust me. And, y'all, it was times that I just wanted to throw in the towel and say, just forget it. Because this is not working. And I remember I was before God one day. And one thing I love about God, things that go on in our lives should bring us to our needs. It should bring us to such a low place that the only one we can go to is God. And it wasn't out of my pride. It was out of my obedience that God said, trust me. So I remember I was sitting there and I said, God, I don't know what I'm going to cook today. It's just nothing in here to cook. And the Lord told me, he said, I want you to go open your cabinets. Well, I need to open some cabinets. I know there's nothing in there. But I'm going to be obedient. So I opened the cabinets. He said, begin to speak food into those cabinets. And then I did what God told me with that. He said, now I want you to open every wardrobe in this closet, every closet. And I want you to speak clothes to these closets. Now, some people that are Pharisees and Sadducees that go on tradition would say, That's not what you should have been doing. You should have been asking your family. You wouldn't have to live like that. Man, don't work. He don't need our working to let you know. But it still wasn't enough. So I did what God told me to do. And I'm thinking, oh, the food going to be there sooner than later. But God said, you got to see it in your cabinets. Once you see it in your cabinets, you're going to have what you need. So I began to open my eyes to the word of God. And I begin to see what I didn't see before. I begin to see spiritually y'all. And you know what God did? And this was the thing now. I was pastoring a church and God wouldn't allow no. Evidently he wouldn't allow nobody to feed me in the church. Because everybody else went out to eat. And we tried to go home and struggle. But nobody knew it. Isn't that odd? Nobody knew it in the church. But guess what God did? He touched my uh, stepmother's heart. i never forget it. 
She said, you preach every Sunday. You work, you preach. I'm going to fix your food every Sunday for you and your family. She did that. Not only did she did it for me, but she allowed us to invite people that was in the church to sit down and eat with us. Every Sunday we had a meal. See, God has a way of working things out beyond our understanding. We told them nothing. My daddy, if my daddy knew that, he would have fussed me out. But God said, I want you to trust me. So through the process of trusting him, when I needed the maternity clothes, he woke pride set in. God told me who to go to to ask for the clothes. I'm not doing that. God said, I need for you to go. When I asked this lady about her maternity clothes, I had so many bags of maternity clothes, I couldn't even wear them all. So God has a way, y'all, of doing things if we trust him. He was raising me up. He was teaching me how to take little and make it much. He was showing me how to do things. And I remember before I was going to Kim to get my hair done, he had Kathy rolling up socks in my hair, making me those little buns. And Kathy would do my hair. See, I wasn't ashamed. God had people in our paths. He had to break me, y'all, to make me. Some of y'all don't want to be broken. I had to do things that I thought that I would never do, but I did them because God said, you got some pride in you. You got some things in you that need to come out of you. So people that say, I'm not working at McDonald's, or I'm not doing this, God can't use you in the church because you don't want to be broken. God can't use people like that. God want to use people to say, God, whatever you say, that's what I want to do. No, that's not benefiting me. That's not who I am. You still full of pride. You be who God wants you to be and go where God wants you to go. So that's how the gifts and everything begin to operate, y'all. Because I had to bow down. I had to get so low that it didn't matter no more what people thought about me. The only thing that mattered was him. And every day I look to him and say, God, if you don't help me, nobody can. And I'm going to tell y'all, he did, and it's more yet to come. Y'all ain't seen nothing. Because when you give up your life, until you gave up your life, do y'all know that life does not consist of the abundance that you have? God had to get me to that place. I thought it was all about money. God said, I want your life to be based on money, a job. I want it to be based on me. So when these things leave, you still have me. And you know I will never, ever leave you nor forsake you. He had to break me before I come off the job in order to make me to be who I am today. Some of y'all ain't been broken because you're still trying to get people to look at you. You don't know your true identity. When you know your true identity, you ain't worrying about what people say about you. You ain't worrying about what you drive. You ain't worrying about what you wear because he said he will supply. God ain't going to have you looking jacked up. God going to have you shining with his glory. If you have on family dollar shoes, it's going to be some glory on them shoes. But people acting like I can't wear that no more. Don't you ain't going to catch me dead in family dollar Shoot, when they bury you, you might have on a family dollar suit. Yeah. So until you get over you, God can't use you. He had to bring me way low, and I found some good sales. And the thing was, when God brought me low, God was, y'all, he sent me people. I thought about Capri's. Knock on the door, five capris, five shirts, sandals to go with it, and didn't even tell the person. But God did it. When I wanted suits, thought about, well, God, I I need this, but you know what? I'm not going to worry about it. Next thing I know, suits was coming. Five, six suits at a time with the heels to match. Because I was serving a mighty God. See, when you're serving him, you don't have to chase these things. Just be about him. Don't just be, talk about him, be about him. I was about his business. So I didn't have to worry about everything else outside because God was bringing it to me. That's what he does, y'all. God will do exactly what he says when you trust him. That's why you have to trust him above man. Because he know what you need and when You need it. Y'all, we have so many stories. God did everything 
in our lives from us to our children. He did it outside of me trying to, or my husband trying to work four or five jobs. He gave me what he wanted me to do right here. And I thank God he chose me. I didn't choose him. He chose me just like he chose you. So it's time for us to rise up, y'all, and live according to the word and not according to the world. When you live according to the world, you begin to act like the world. You begin to do what the world does to get what the world has. We're in it, but we're not of it. And he said, don't worry about what you eat, what you drink, or how you shall be clothed. Because your heavenly father knows what you're in the need of, even before you ask. He said, when you do it like that, you're just like an unbeliever. You're just like a Gentile. So let's live our new life in Christ and quit worrying about what, how we're going to get something and know we already got it. And it's just us learning how to release what we have. And that's what we're going to do, y'all. We're going to learn to release what we have in him. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Give God a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do we have any announcements at this time?